Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Itaken Tank, the founder and CEO of Jotform and author of the new book, Automate Your Busy Work, Do Less, Achieve More, and Save Your Brain for the Big Stuff. Itaken has almost two decades of experience in the SaaS industry, and Jotform has helped millions of users worldwide eliminate paperwork and automate their workflows. In this interview, Itaken shares his personal journey as a SaaS founder and how he discovered the power of automation to scale his business. He explains his automation flywheel and how it can help SaaS founders and their teams reclaim their time, increase their productivity, and he shares some practical tips and strategies for getting started with automation. We'll deep dive into the six steps of the automation flywheel and explore some real-world examples of how Itaken and his team have used automation to simplify their workflows and free up their time. So if you're tired of being bogged down by manual work and repetitive tasks, this episode is for you. Itaken's tips and strategies will help you automate your workflows and hopefully help you take your SaaS business to the next level. I hope you enjoy it. Are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to Jotform Tables. Jotform Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in Jotform Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing Jotform forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. Jotform Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with Jotform tables for free today at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey there, SaaS founders. Are you looking to grow your B2B SaaS business to the first million in annual recurring revenue? I've got something that can help you. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly source of proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with successful B2B SaaS founders who've been in your shoes and are ready to share what they've learned. Each week, you'll get a quick five-minute read delivered straight to your inbox, full of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you tackle those early stage challenges and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sasclub.io slash newsletter and join over 4,000 other SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already using these insights to grow their businesses. Subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today and get the support you need to keep moving forward on your SaaS journey. I take in. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Uh, being, being back at the show is great. Uh, it's been five years. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that. It's like amazing how time flies. Uh, so uh, it was 100, episode 186 where we talked about the founding of Jotform and how you were working as a developer, getting bored by creating manually all these forms that you were building on the job. And um, I was looking through some of the notes and then you'd said, hey, if I ever run a business, if I ever quit my job, I should go and build some kind of form building software. Um, and we we took the story through to 2018 when i think you had about 4 million users already you know multiple seven figure business in terms of arr where where have you got to now like how is the business doing what's the size of the business today it's going great uh we have grown to like 500 employees now uh, we have offices in seven cities all around the world and now we have like uh, 20 million uh, users at Jotform. 
so we are doing great and uh, we continue to grow at around uh, 50% uh, revenue growth rate. Wow. That, that is worlds apart from where you were when you came up with the idea and, and built the first version of that product. So congratulations. On- it's been 17 years. It's been a long time. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to talk about uh, your new book, uh, which is called Automate Your Busy Work, Do Less, Achieve More, and Save Your Brain for the Big Stuff. And, you know, you and I were talking and we thought it would be a great idea. You're a founder. Uh, this show is is mostly people, you know, in the SaaS space, early stage founders. And so what could we do to help them to take advantage of some of the things that you've been able to do in terms of the way you run your business. And this, this book basically has a bunch of great ideas in terms of how people can use automation, no code tools uh, to, to, to unlock productivity, get rid of a lot of the repetitive tasks that many of us have to do day in, day out. Um, so we can focus more on, on the important things. Uh, so before we get into that, like, what inspired you to, to write this book? So as you remember this uh, original story for Jotform, I was working for a company as a developer uh, in New York. And I was like, I really loved my job, but one, there was one test that I really hated. And that was like creating online forms. And we had like 100 websites and I had to like create so many forms. And I wanted to automate, uh, find a way to automate uh, creation of these forms. That's actually how I started Jotform. Uh, I couldn't find a way to automate the form. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to do a product that automates the form. But once I started Jotform, I found out that people actually needed more things. Like the forms are just the beginning of the journey. There is this whole business process right after creation of the forms. Uh, they need a lot of other things like people fill out forms so that they can register for stuff. They can apply for things, request things. Like, it's just the first step in a journey. And uh, I wanted to, uh, like, help them out in, in all the way on the journey. So we added features like uh, automating, like, document creation, like PDF generation. Like, they, they are able to create uh, custom emails. Like, uh, we have an Airtable-like, you know, product, like a spreadsheet product, where they can actually do lots of different things with their data. And we have reporting and we have so many custom features like Jotform sign. But in the early days, uh, I was helping all these people with the automation of their business. Uh, I was helping them automate their business processes. But I was struggling myself. Like I was spending all my day answering emails, like supporting customers. Like, you know, uh, we, didn't, we weren't very big. Like we had like three to five employees. But still, like, it was taking me time to manage them because, you know, before I started my company, I never managed anyone. So it just I was just learning this management stuff as well. And, like, I was doing all the things, like accounting, HR, like ordering snacks for the office. So it, it was just too much. And I was, like, overwhelmed. Uh, I was over my head. And it was, you know, it wasn't easy. And then one day, a friend of mine sent me an email and... He said, hey, did you see that Google actually came up with a competitive product? Now you're you are competing with Google. And I was like, I was shocked. Like, okay, now uh, I'm already spending all this time, like just trying to, you know, all the operations of the business. And I have no time to actually think about anything else, like really grow the product, really improve the uh, quality of the product and, you know, come up with new feature ideas, things like that. Uh, and now Google, I was competing with Google. So it was really bad news. And I was like really shocked about it. And, you know, I started thinking about it. Okay, I thought that I'm helping all these people automating their businesses, but I'm doing everything manually. Like there's something wrong with, with this. I wasn't even using our own product, you know, forms for many of the things I could use for. And I thought, okay, why don't I apply my own medicine to my own business? Why don't I start automating things? And that just started things. And I first started with my emails, uh, supporting customers, product development, and like, you know, accounting, HR. You know, I started 
uh, automating as much as possible. And this allowed me to actually be able to spend more of my time on my business as opposed to like in my business. This is like, you know, uh, business one-on-one, but, you know, I was making this mistake in the first years. Uh, so and it worked, and uh, we have grown to this uh, much larger company now. And Google didn't beat us, and uh, we are really big now. And um, you know we have 500 employees, and people love our product, and we continue to grow our product uh, to new features and new uh, ideas. And um, this worked out really well. So I thought I've been able to do this and I've I've been able to actually teach my company, teach my uh, employees to also automate as much as possible. Like we have this really uh, try to do everything with automation. Uh, Why don't I also, and I I was also, I have also been applying uh, this automation principles to my own like product as well. Like in, in the product, we automate as much as possible, help people automate things. So I thought, why don't I actually provide this information to the world? Like, why don't I share this? Like, I, I developed this f- framework that I call the automation flywheel. Why don't I uh, share it with the world? And uh, I have I have a blog uh, I write on like a fast company, entrepreneur, medium, and just form blog. But uh, this wasn't something I could just do with a blog post. This was uh, this was long. But I didn't uh, expect it to be this big. Like it took me more than a year, uh, but it turned out really well. Like I really was able to write a great book, and I'm very proud of it. And uh, it's it's gonna come out on May 16. That's the story of my book. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You you know, I think back then when you were doing a lot of this automation, I mean, you're a developer, you can code. Automation becomes easier. You know, if you can. If you can spin up like a, a Python script to do something, great. But for the majority of people who can't code, it's always been a difficult thing to do. And recently, with with so, you know the prevalence of so many no-code tools around now, it's becoming more and more easier and accessible for anybody to start automating so much of what they do. So we're going to dig into that, and we're going to we're going to talk about some real-world examples of how you've used it and how you're using it in the company. But just give us an overview of the book like what are the main themes in the book and then you mentioned the automation flywheel what i'd like to do is to dig into what exactly that flywheel is we'll talk about the specific you know the six steps of that flywheel and then uh, we'll put it into practice but maybe just start with like what, what what are the main themes in the book so i mean one of the reasons the book was uh, really hard to write was because uh my publisher wiley really wanted me to write a book for everyone but not just for like developers then. And every time I tried to write about those kind of like Python stuff that, you know, that's no, like, you know, this has to be, this has to be available to everyone. Uh, Anybody who uh, gets this book should understand and be able to apply the ideas. And, and I put like so much examples and case studies in this book, but all these um, examples and case studies and, um, you know, tools, are I think temporary because it's just like the the, the amount of changes like incredible like this all these AI tools are coming out every day there are new SaaS products are coming out so I mean those examples are great but really um, it's about uh, understanding the fundamentals of the automation so I start the book with that like I try to explain the fundamentals of automation I talk about something I call automation first mindset, uh, where I talk about uh, things like, you know, the importance of uh, laziness. Uh, Bill Gates said, like, I would give a hard job uh, to a lazy person because the lazy person would find a a way to solve it. You know, there are things like that. uh, It's important to be impatient. Uh, It's important to be lazy so you don't don't put up with uh, doing the same things again and again. It's also important to have this systems uh, thinking so that you look at things as systems. Uh, otherwise, it's just everything is very, uh, you know, can become confusing. So it's system thinking is an important part of that automation first mindset as well. So I talk about automation first myself. And I also talk about the, the framework that I developed, uh, the automation flywheel. And that's a process of continuous improvement. And it allows you to kind of 
start from zero. Like you, you, you have no automations. You, you are like, you are like me in 2008, like completely over your head. Like it's just so much busy work. And where do you, where do you go? Uh, the, the automation flyway framework actually takes you step by steps to, to build a system where you have most of your stuff automated and you can continuously improve that. And once I talk about these, um, these fundamentals, then I go into more examples. Like I talk about like how to automate your creativity, how to automate your growth. Like, and I give examples to, uh, to this kind of kinds of, uh, different ideas. And, uh, and rest of the big book is, uh, a lot of examples, uh, recipes. But as I said, like those examples are not going to be useful in five years, but more important is the, uh, to get the idea about the importance of the automation and the, how to apply, uh, in your business and the principles about, uh, how you apply those principles, uh, those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I think I'm a lazy person because I, I think one of the things that really frustrates me is when I have to do something twice and I know I'm going to have to do it a third time. I, I know there's an, there's an opportunity to automate something, but being able to step away from the day-to-day work to think about it and to figure out a solution and implement a solution is where things fall apart. And it's like, yeah, I'll do that one day. So that's what I liked about the flywheel that it, it kind of just gives you like a, a, a good framework just to think about, okay, when these things come up or, you know, being a little bit more proactive in the, in, in sort of the areas that you're spending your time, what you can start to do and actually follow through to implement some of these things. So why don't we d- jump into that? Like the flywheel, the six steps, and I think you kind of group them in pairs. So the first yeah. two were like divide and conquer. Uh, second, uh, the three and four were like design and implement and then uh, refine and iterate. So let, let's talk through each one of those. And if you can just explain to us what they mean, you know, why you think this is an important part of the process, uh, that would be great. And may, maybe even we can kind of touch on some, some brief examples uh, before we, we go into a deep dive into some of the things that you're actually doing. So the automation flywheel is a process of continuous improvement. And, uh, but it's not, it's not just like one thing you do once and it's not even like something, uh, you do, you know, for, for a while and then you stop. It's, it's, it's a flywheel. It's, uh, it's a continuous process. You, you can you have to continue doing that. And it's just, you know, you have to start somewhere and, um, you keep doing that and it's, you get dividends as you, uh, get more and more automations, but, uh, it helps you build systems. Uh, so you start with nothing, and then you you have the systems, and then you go from there. And uh, it, it keeps improving your productivity. But um, with the automation flywheel, you kind of have to, to first decide like what you should do and what you shouldn't be doing. Like it's it's not about just automating everything. Uh, I don't think it's, it makes sense to automate everything. I think it makes sense to, you know, look at what you are doing, prioritize what you do, what you are doing, and things that you don't care about that you should be automating, and the and the things that really helps you should should stay not automated. For example, you know, like things like um, you know, growing yourself, like you know, reading books or researching stuff. You shouldn't be automating those things because it's just when you do those things, you are actually you're not just doing something, you're actually uh, learning more stuff. But um, to get to the uh, actual uh, automation flywheel, it's a, it's a circle. Uh, it's a, it starts with divide and conquer. And uh, the, the, the wide pro- uh, step is about looking at what you are doing and deciding you know, what should be automated. And one of the techniques I describe in the book is something I call uh, auditing your workday. So basically, you can put triggers every hour, and at, at the end of every hour, you can just write down, uh, you know, what you did during that hour. And you do this for a week, and a week is usually enough that you can find out like how you are spending your time. 
and you can decide, okay, hey, I shouldn't be spending my time with this kind of stuff, and I should be spending my time with this kind of stuff. Like, I should be spending my time with, you know, uh, coming up with great ideas for my product, and but I shouldn't be spending my time with really, you know, uh, answering these emails. Like, those are a waste of time for me, like, you know. And um, so you first divide, and uh, and then the concourse step is about uh, basically you spot workflows uh, from these uh, work because uh, the things you do uh, the, are are not just single things like uh, they are not just single to do items. When you when you look at what you do, you'll find out that you're actually spending your time with things that are like series of tasks and. And we call them workflows. And workflows uh, can involve multiple people. So, you know, if HR-related task is uh, done, like you have to, you know, speak with the person, speak with the HR department. Like there are lots of steps involved. And it's just, it's not just happening in a single moment. It can take a long time. So the concourse step is about actually understanding the workflows involved. The next step is, design and implement. In the design step, you actually decide what you should be automating, like uh, which parts of this, these uh, workflows can be automated and which, which parts should be automated. And in the implementation um, step, and there are like so many no-code products, uh, you research all the products and um, you find the products that really uh, works for you, for your case. And in the book, I described like how to pick uh, products, like you know how to use GT for reviews, how to make sure that they have updates, like and they have a long history and they are trustable. So those kind of things, and uh, and then you implement those automations. And in the next step, in the re refine step, um, you create uh, KPIs and um, you look at you know the numbers of your automations, how they are doing, and because. When you do things manually, you can actually see if things break down or uh, things are working out well. But when you start automating, you have to actually keep 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 watch, and you have to monitor what's going on, and that requires like keeping an eye on the KPIs, and that requires you to kind of refine the uh, the automations uh, you do, and the the final step, the sixth step, is to iterate, which is about you know, if you are doing automations in one way, changing them, innovating your automations, updating them. So it's basically all these automations you're building turn into systems. And these systems uh, require kind of maintenance. But the great thing is like, you are actually spending most of your time with the stuff that you care about. And only, uh, you know, you're only uh, monitoring them so that you're making sure that nothing is breaking down. And the, and the great thing about this, the, the flywheel is um, you don't actually have to even automate things. Like even if you just use the flywheels, first two steps, you know, divide and conquer. Even, even if you create like workflow diagrams and if you document your, your work, uh, when you are doing that, it's a great exercise. Like you can actually understand what you are spending your time on, on the divide step. And in the uh, conquer step, you can actually understand like, create the workflows, document what you are doing, and you can delegate stuff. Even if you even if you don't automate it, you can delegate it to someone else in your company. So I think this is a great exercise, but I think in the end, uh, you'll find that there are really good automation tools. And, you know, there is just like this, this no-code revolution. There is this SaaS revolution. Like there's just thousands of great products out there and many people are not even aware of them and they they are actually struggling and there's a there's an automation tool that's available for them but they are not even aware of it so uh, the goal of this automation flywheel is to help people kind of find their way so that they can build their automation and systems got it great so i i think that's a good distinction that the first two divide and conquer it's like whether you're going to use automation no code tools or not that's a good process that everybody should go through to to get better awareness of how they're spending their time, um, how things could be systematized, automated, whatever, right? And then the 
design and implement is when you're actually going and, and putting those things together into practice and then refine and iterate is about continue looking for for improvements to do better and better with that. How many like ballpark, like how many automations do you think you're using right now? One of the things, I mean, I've tried to do this and I, I do this in some areas, you know, using some no-code tools or Zapier and whatever. But I've also found that things get out of control very easily in the sense that maybe I didn't document something. And so something breaks down the line and I'm, I can't remember where I set it up or which tools I used. I think it was Zapier, but was it something else? And, and what, what was triggering this? And, and yes, you can go and look at the Zap to see how you set that up. But just to, to me, that's the one thing is like, as you have more and more of these automations, it just feels like there's a whole bunch of stuff that you could potentially break and you need to track. So what, what does that look like for you? And, and how do you stay sane with, with all of that going on around you? There's no way to tell like how many automations I have. I have like um, it's uh, pretty pretty high. Even uh, on Gmail, I have like three thousand filters. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, so it. I mean, but that I created that for over the years, like probably in like ten years. Uh, so it's it's not something like I spend like ton of time, uh, you know, in a single day. Uh, so there's just a lot of automations, but that's why actually the, the the last step, refine and iterate, is required, so that all these systems are kind of uh, being monitored. So you are aware of what's going on. Uh, when and when things break down, uh, you are aware of that. So you, you kind of have to have like that that mindset that, you know, uh, when something breaks down, you know, you get notified about it, and you have to catch those things and keep following them. Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupas is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupas has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees and their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com. Okay, well, you, you mentioned Gmail and filters, and we're going to go into that. So you and I talked about like, hey, let's let's pick out like three real-world examples of, of how you're automating your busy work and in your company so it can help other people, other founders, you know, are trying to apply some of some of these lessons with, you know, with these examples. And so we picked as a starting point was the automation of email with Gmail and filters because that's something it's kind of like the first step to doing automation and, and anybody can start to do that fairly easily. Uh, the second one we picked was how to how you're automating your product development in terms of continuous testing, deployment, bug tracking. And so we're going to talk about that. And then the third one is how you've automated your HR onboarding. So those, I think, are three good scenarios that we can talk about. Let's get started with the Gmail one first, because I think that's the one that most people will understand fairly easily. Yeah, as I mentioned, like in the first day, even during the first days, like I was receiving a lot of emails and I was struggling with this incoming uh, number of emails and there are emails that are really important and there are emails that are not that important, but you have to check them all. So in the, in the, in the beginning, I started with Inbox Zero. Inbox Zero is really good uh, because if you apply Inbox Zero, you don't miss any emails. Like uh, you never, you know, have someone, you know, saying, oh, you missed my email. You know, you never returned to me or something like that. It's great. But at some point, Inbox Zero, even doesn't starts not working because the amount of emails is increasing and then you're spending so much time like trying to clean them up so my second step was to actually build this uh automation solution uh using g using only gmails like labels and filters that's it there's nothing else i mean i actually looked at all the products available and uh, i couldn't find one that really worked for me so after searching for so many uh, solutions, 
okay, I decided, okay, hey, Gmail actually has a lot of uh, these features. So why don't I, I was, in, our company is already using Gmail. So why don't I try to do this on Gmail? And I was thinking if, if I can't get this uh, done with uh, labels and uh, filters, I could use the, you know, Gmail's app script, but I never needed that. Uh, I never needed to use that. Just uh, it was enough to use the labels and filters. So here, here is the, it works. So the biggest problem for me was the uh, the amount of emails I receive, and the priority of the emails. And you know, it's just uh, there's some important email that's uh, that's sitting there. And then in, when I process the inbox zero, I would start from the oldest email. It would take me a long time. And during, I have like many meetings. So between the meetings, I will have too much time. So, you know, these, these emails would wait uh, multiple days. So what I did was I created three labels, just three labels, uh, level one, level two, and level three. So level one is for the uh, really high priority, urgent stuff. And for example, if our VP of HR sends a direct email to me, that goes to my level one. Uh, my publisher is Wiley. If they send me an email, like if, if it's coming from the domain Wiley.com, it's going to go to my level one email inbox. So it's only a few uh, emails are coming through. So uh, to label one, uh, level one. So uh, this way, it's not like becoming large. It's staying small. And I'm always like updating my filters to make sure that if something important, if I'm waiting for an important uh, email or something, it's going to go to L1. So this worked great. Even when I'm on vacation, I have like, let's say I have like half an hour uh, every day to check my emails. I will start with level one. Let's say I have like 10 emails. I will just process all those emails, clean up my level one. And, you know, I'm not going to look even the other emails at all uh, because they can wait so the level level two is uh, from emails from the people I know, like people I communicate with. If they sent me a direct email, like uh, someone sends me an email, and uh, in the two fields it's just written to me, that goes to me my level two. And level three is for all the other emails that I care about, like reports, uh, like email threads where I'm included that I should probably be reading the thread but it's okay if I read it a week later. And uh, like newsletters, things like that. I mean, I, I still read these uh, emails, but uh, it takes me a longer time. Maybe I will process them, you know, it will take me a week to read them, but that, that's okay. And everything else, like all this marketing, spam, everything else goes to my default, default inbox. And I will clean that up time to time because you know, uh, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, there's going to be like an important email that didn't go to one of the filters. So I'm going to create a filter for that. That's why I have like 3000 filters because over time I created all these filters. So basically by default, every email goes to my inbox and the, the important emails go to my uh, priority inboxes that I created. But here's the most important part. I never go directly to my inbox. What I have is I have bookmarks in my browser and I will just click on the bookmark that says like L1, level one. And then uh, the first thing I do when I want to check my emails, I will go to that bookmark and go to L1 emails and I will process that. And after I process that, I go to L2 or L3. And uh, so this way, you know, I'm prioritizing emails. And even though I receive hundreds of emails every day, I'm keeping it safe. So it just this saved me a lot of time. And it also, you know, keeps me on top of uh, important and urgent uh, information. Does that work for you on, a, on on mobile? Because I think most mobile apps tend to default to the inbox. And Yeah, I mean, I have to search for L1. So it's not as working as well as the desktop. But the bookmarks still work on mobile. Uh, if I'm using like an iPad or iPhone, like I could use Safari. But as you said, like Gmail, uh, I couldn't find a way to on the Gmail uh, app to directly go like, you know, select L1 emails in inbox. Great. So I think that's that's a great starting point. And if, um, if, if someone's listening to this and they're not doing that, that's a great place that you could get started today, right? Like even just looking through your inbox and, and seeing the, the kinds of things that 
you know, are most important, but they're they're kind of almost, you know, hidden because you've got so much other, you know, low priority stuff sitting in your inbox that you could start tackling. Let, let's move on to uh, the next one because now we're 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 moving up a little bit and getting a little more complicated with with automation. And I think this one will be very relevant for people listening to this as well. Is how you automate product development. And there's a lot of moving parts with with uh, you know building a product. Tell us specifically about you know what what this automation is about. This is actually uh, used by many companies, so this is not like unique to me or my company. And uh, it's continuous integration and deployment, and it's you know very uh, popular among uh, you know companies that that follow the lean uh, development methods. But you know in the beginning, uh, the first years of Jetform, we didn't have that. Like we would. It will take us like six months to release our products, and it would be a big event. And like customers would revolt because like we would have like so many bugs, because and we would change so many things that they wouldn't like. And um, so from from moving from there to continuous integration and deployment made a huge difference for us for us because now we we are only releasing um, gradually like small changes and if something breaks you know we are quickly aware of it and we can fix it quickly and um, so we are using uh, things like Jenkins so anytime a developer actually makes a commit and then it's getting reviewed by the you know there's pull request uh, it's getting reviewed but right after that it's going to be released on our app and we have you know we have all these automated testing uh, that uh, checks for everything like unit tests and the you know, all these other tests are being applied and uh, it's it goes automatically and becomes live automatically. And we also do the same for the enterprise as well. Enterprise goes a little bit later. Uh, the the regular version actually, you know, becomes live pretty quickly. And we had that uh, since probably since like 20, 2010. Uh, so it's been a long time, uh, more than a decade. And uh, it's been great, and um, and automating uh, things as much as possible allowed our team to become really uh, developed our product much uh, much more easily, uh, much more. You know, when a new developer joins, on the first day, uh, we ask that person to actually you know write some code and you know change something on Jetform, and that's like great. And it also makes sure that we actually uh, are you know handling everything else like they're getting their uh, computer on their first day they have their accounts uh so you know they can like everything is in order and then on top of that that developer actually makes a commit and then you know updates the just form product like it could be a, like a smell spelling cha- change or like something like that uh they make a change and you know and uh they they see that it's not a big deal like they can also uh, how we develop uh, quickly and how we how we you know care about automating everything as much as possible, and um, so we also apply the similar principles to like testing. For example, uh, we use Test.io, which is like a crowd uh, testing platform, and then when we when we want something to be tested, uh, we send it to them, and then you know all this crowd uh, goes and you know finds all these problems on different browser types and then sends to us. And so we are aware of all the problems. And, uh, you know, we do user te- user testing.com. Also, we use uh, a lot that we, we get feedback from fe- people about the changes we make. And uh, we, we try to apply automation to every part of our uh, product development as well. And that resulted in uh, much... It's not just about... Uh, you know, making it uh, faster. It's also about the developer productivity and happiness, like preventing burnout. And when you have to wait like three months or six months for a release, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of stressful. The launch day is a big event. But when you're continuously uh, deploying your product, it's not an event. Uh, the new version is not a big event. So it's been working so well so far for us and we continue to uh, automate everything as much as possible. So uh, the the product development piece and you know the 
this the continuous integration, the, the CI/CD, and and all of this stuff. Th- this sounds very kind of dev focused. Obviously, is is there kind of like no code components to that, or like, or or is this mostly just about you know the kind of day to day stuff that developers would tend to do anyway, and using tools like Jenkins in terms of getting uh, more more efficient with with the way they they you know build and ship products. I think um, at Chatform we kind of have, you know, we, we build our own tools. Uh, like we just love to build our own tools. Like we have our own own backtracking system that we developed. Uh, like supports our support system is also uh, we something we developed. So it's uh, we we kind of use our own tools uh, here, and uh, it's just we are so much developer oriented because uh, when I started Chatform I was a developer. Uh, so it's just from the first day, like uh, we were doing all, all our own tools. So in terms of the product development, we are pretty much uh, mostly using our own tools. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I, th- I, you know, I think at this point of of size of a company, like I, I would have, ex- I would have expected you to say, you know, no, we don't want to be building this stuff. We we will just buy the best of breed out there. But that's a very different kind of culture to have. I'd I'd love to talk about that, but that's going to take us down a completely different rabbit hole. So we'll have to save that for another day. So let, let's get on to the third one. Uh, the you know how you've automated your HR onboarding. So maybe, maybe kind of just tell us like what was what was the challenge that uh, the team was facing, and then how did you go about figuring out how to implement the solution? Yeah, I mean this was before the pandemic, uh, so we were still like sending people papers. And they were signing it, scanning it, sending us back to, and we were doing everything manually. It was taking us so much time and we were making mistakes. And, you know, uh, someone on HR department is on vacation and someone, you know, doesn't sign an NDA. We forget to get their computer or things like that. So when you do things manually, that's uh, that creates a lot of, uh, you know, it's easy to miss stuff. It's easy to make mistakes. So we started kind of using uh, JotForm for this, automated as much as possible as uh, JotForm. Uh, but, th- but then uh, we, we actually switched to Bamboo HR because uh, we were actually in the process of getting SAC2 compliant and we, we needed to use the SAC2 compliant HR product. But now that we are SAC2 compliant, we got the compliance, uh, we are actually switching back to JotForm to do everything. But the great thing is, like, uh, uh, in the past, like, we would spend, uh, like, so many things, like, we would be late, someone would start uh, at the job, and then they would get their computer late. It was very easy to miss stuff, and it was just so much time-consuming. And once we streamlined this with kind of automating every step, like creating the forms and creating automated emails with instructions, with uh, collecting signatures electronically, and asking, you know, approvals being done also online. Uh, Jetform also has an approvals pro- product. And uh, so doing all these things uh, in a way that's streamlined and automated uh, actually made it much better and we were able to do it much faster. And when we started doing things like, you know, we had when we started having like a bigger internship program and when we started having... The, uh, the part-time program for uh, students, like having an existing automated solution really made it very easy for us to also, you know, add uh, the automations for them as well. And uh, this like onboarding is uh, something, you know, you don't want to make a mistake because someone is starting at your company and you want to spend your time like talking to them, you know, being nice to them and getting them excited about the company. It's, you don't want to, you know, miss uh, documents or like, you know, forget stuff and start, you know, start your relationship uh, with a mistake. So just m- maybe kind of give me a, a little bit more details on how that works. So, you, you know, the onboarding, somebody's using JotForm. Uh, we, we know that if you're using a Zapier type uh, integration or automation, there's a trigger, there's, you know, something that happens and then, you you know, uh, you're integrating with some other app to to get some kind of result or outcome. With 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 using JotForm, how does it start? Does it start with somebody going in and 
filling in a form that there's a new hire and then that does something like where where does this how does it actually work exactly i mean it's it starts with so after the interview process if when we decide someone uh, when we decide to hire someone uh, it starts with the trigger with the with the filling out the form and uh, when the form is filled out this actually goes to approval and uh, using just forms workflow and approval features this is approved and and someone approves uh, in the in the higher management and then once the approval is and this is very fast because it's just it sends an email and you see the email and approve it and and then this will trigger you know all the required like you know documents uh, like we need to call like they need to sign some documents and you know different teams actually receive uh, information about the uh, incoming person. Uh, so like the, you know, our office office managers, you know, they need to prepare the hardware, like the computer and monitor and other things uh, for this person. So they, they receive notification and the start date. And um, so they can start preparing for those things. Uh, sometimes people are remote, so they need to ship out those things uh, and on time. And uh, so on the, like we, we, we give someone a body and uh, that person, you know, from the first day, that person works with the with their body, and uh, you know, they they get to know each other and um, help out with you know learning the culture and the company. So there are trainings like there is there is a security training that needs to be completed during the first week. So all those things are actually automated uh, using Jotform's um, uh, workflow features, and like we also have a sign product Jotform Sign, and as I said, like. Forms are the first uh, point, and there's a journey. And over the years, like we added all these steps uh, needed during the journey. But we also have integrations with all kinds of products. Like, for example, in in our sales, like we collect leads uh, with a leads form. Uh, but then that form, actually, the data is actually sent to HubSpot uh, because we we keep track of our you know customers uh, there. So that's there is an integration with that. So. You know Zapier, and we we also have some native integrations. So um, yeah, we you know we handle all those things uh, during onboarding, and um, and then we also send a survey to make sure that uh, we didn't miss anything, and we also keep track of the you know uh, the times and how long it took uh, to and if there were any errors, any mistakes about it, we keep track of them. So if someone's listening to this, let's say uh, you know somebody a founder. CEO listening to this and thinking, okay, sounds great. Uh, but I take it you've been doing this for years, and so it's it's probably second nature to you. I can see a bunch of things that you know me personally uh, could could improve. Uh, but this person maybe is also thinking, I've also got a team, and I can see a whole bunch of opportunities there. You know, and I've got to run my business. So, what would be some parting advice that you could give them? Other than reading the book, and we'll tell people where they can get the, the book in a minute, what, what advice would you give them to get started on this journey so it's, it's an easier uh, transition for them to, to make if, if they're not already doing these types of automations? I would recommend uh, doing an audit of their workday and answering two questions. What should I be spending my time with and what I shouldn't be doing? And the, the, the second question is more important. What you shouldn't spend your time on? Like what what kind of task that, that's taking your time and you should they shouldn't be taking your time? Because you are a business owner, like you have a sales business and uh, the most important thing for you is to grow your business and grow your product, uh, make your product better and bring more people to your product. So you should be spending your time with those things. So I would start with an audit, and um, that would help them. You know, even if they don't uh, automate them, and automation is also a delegation. Like when you automate things, you you delegate your work to the machine. Uh, so that that's going to help them uh, with with their time, and um, you know, help them discover how they are spending their time. Awesome. Great. So the book is called Automate Your Busy Work, Do Less, Achieve More, and Save Your Brain for the Big Stuff. 
If uh, people you want to check it out, uh, you can go to sasclub.io slash automate book. And uh, the book is being published, uh, you said May 16th? Great. So, and again, you know, congratulations on what you've been able to do with this business from from the you know the early days of just the idea and 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 I love this whole this whole concept that you know we often talk about follow your passion and this was a passion in the sense that you passionately hated building forms and it kind of led you on this journey to where you are in this business today and clearly I think you know this 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 automation stuff is not something that you you've just started doing it's been something that for a long time you've been you've been trying and implementing in your own own day-to-day life and and with the businesses it's grown so you know we can see the results and and hopefully this will be helpful for for other founders as well to to free up some time and and start focusing on on the things that are really going to drive their business forward so i appreciate you making the time to do this and and congratulations on uh, where you've taken the business and uh, i wish you and the team the best of success for the for the future Thank you, Omar, for having me on, the, on this show. Uh, it was great. Thank you. My pleasure. All the best. Cheers. Bye. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? Jotform Tables is a solution you've been looking for. Jotform Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms, and Jotform Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your Jotform forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But Jotform Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative with conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? Well, you're not alone. But the good news is you don't have to settle for slow growth. The right tools can be a growth game changer. And that's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This free guide cuts through the noise and shows you the 12 essential types of tools successful SaaS startups have used to get to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you find the perfect growth tools for your needs. So stop feeling stuck. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock the growth potential you've been missing. That's the sastoolkit.com.